Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is a crowd podcast. This episode is sponsored by the cat in the hat. It's Jonathan Pratt. To be more like Jonathan, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. Welcome, everyone, to the Joe Marler Show. I've gone a bit overboard there, but so be it. I'm Joe Marler, and I am joined by my best friend... Right, who's writing these scripts? I'm going to just... I'm going to ab-lib from now on, because this is ludicrous. I'm joined by my best... Scribble out, friend. My best co-host, Tom Fordyce. Hello, Tom. Do you really think of me as your best co-host? You're, uh, you're in my top three co-hosts of a podcast. Joe, thank, that means so much to me. Thank you so much. No worries. Um, do I have to reciprocate at this point and say that you're my favourite co-host? Because it could be a bit awkward, the number of yeah, podcasts I do. That's the yeah, only thing. I know for a fact that I'm not, uh, and that sits well with me because I get incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable when people get close to me. So I don't, I don't even want. I don't even want. I don't want to even want to be in your top three. Nee, nee. Well, Joe, I think um, you know. You say it best when you say nothing at all. That's the. You say the it best when you say nothing at all. Who sang that? Uh, Boyzone, I believe. Was Ronan Keaton in Boyzone? He was, yeah. Can you do a Keating impression? He's got that quite a distinctive such voice. such a strange segue. Bear in mind what we're just about to do, because... No, no, no. I'll let you, I'll let you go with this. What are, we, what, are we, what are we doing on this podcast, Tom? Because it's slightly different, isn't it? And then I'll go with this, you know. Oh. Yes. Okay. It is slightly different, Joe. Um, and the Joe Marler show is going to continue in its usual uh, chatty, chatty form after the summer. But we thought we would do because it's the Lions tour, a series of Joe Marler Show Lions specials twice every week. We're going to try and do them as quickly as possible after games, which could be awkward depending how you and I are intending to watch games. There's certainly a few dates in the diary where it could be awkward. Um, but anyway, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, we're going to get your experiences about the Lions. We're going to get some special guests. And I think we've opened today with a very special guest in a man who has been on three Lions tours, who was described as the greatest ever Lions tourist by a man who knows, and who is now the chairman of the board. He's pretty much 
Lions, isn't he? He he is. He's Lenny the Lion. He might. He is the Lions. He might as well change his name to Jason Lionhood. Lion Lionhood. That's that could work. Yeah, it's not that short. The Le- it's in his name. He Leo is um, Greek for lion, I believe. Is that or is it Taurus? It's certainly possible. If you describe someone as lion-like, you say they're leonine, don't you? Yes. That is pretty much his surname. That's I'm sweating. Much- Have we stumbled on something here? It's, I'm sweating. My palms are sweating. My shoulders are sweating at the thought of talking to him. Um, I'm going to have to try and play it as cool as possible. I'm going to have to be a cucumber and not come across too fanboying because he was definitely uh, he was definitely my rugby hero growing up. And uh, and I don't know how I'm going to do it, Tom. You're going to help me help me guide me through this. I'll please. help you, Joe. Do you think um, we need a safe word that I can shout if I think you're getting too fanboy and that you're yeah. losing your shit? Yeah. Um, what word can I work into a question yeah. that would indicate to, oh, to you and only to you that you've gone massively over the top? I think it would work better that we don't use a word. And because we're recording this uh, remotely and I can see you, if you just get a cucumber and you just, if you feel that I'm going too overboard, you just flash the cucumber in the, like, as if like a stabbing action. You're just like, da, da. And then drop it out. I'll know that you want me to play it cool. I like. It's clear. It's a very clear signal. Might it be off-putting for Jason if no. I s- start stabbing the screen with my cucumber? No. Do you know him? Do you know? Jo- have you met him before? Like, do you have you do you, do you know each other? Only in a very formal role, Joe. Very right, formal well, role. Then you can be as weird as you want. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like sort of first impressions type thing, and he'll just be like, "Oh God." He won't say anything. He's he's too polite. And if he does, then it serves you right for coming up with a shit signal to make me cool down. Well, I'll get my cucumber, Joe. You get the questions. <laughs> Perfect. Let's get him on. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Oh, God. Tom. Oh, Tom. This is, this is a, a real toughie. Oh, it's an even bigger... T- oh, this is a tough, tough one because obviously Jason was like someone I looked up to when I was a lot, lot younger. Um, oh, but God. still now, of course. Don't fuck it, it up. Here we go. Oh. Our guest today is former England rugby star who gained 114 caps for his country during an epic 14-year international rugby career. He's got several Grand Slams under his belt, a Rugby World Cup, and he was a member of the British and Irish Lions squad that won the Test Series during their 1997 tour of South Africa. He has a massive legacy in the sport, and his real name is Jason Leonard. Jace, how are you? Mate, I'm good. What about you? <laughs> I'm fucking better now I got that out of the way. <laughs> that was particularly, as, as Tom described to you at the start, that's I, I seem to have a meltdown about reading a couple of sentences off a fucking sheet, but that was really, really hard because even though I've met you several times, it still gets it's still weird that I get to talk to you on a screen. Bear in mind that I looked up to you when I was a wee a wee lad, and um, it's still a little bit surreal for me. So, Tom, excuse a little bit of fanboying. I'll get it out of the way early doors. That's fine, Joe. The only other thing I'd say is you said his real name is Jason Leonard, but you didn't say what, why you need to know a real name. You didn't oh, say right. what his other name is. Oh, sorry, Mr. Professional Podcast. So, sorry, in other words, you um, have fucked up then, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it, it appears so. Um, I was meant to say people call you the Fumbus, but I'm guessing most of the people listening to this already know who you are because they tend to be rugby noises, but... The fun, why, why fun, I'm guessing fun bus because you're really miserable and you're a pretty small guy. Uh, it, it was, it was coined by Martin Bayfield on a tour. I think it's in South Africa and we had bright red training jerseys and I was injured going into the tour. And the, the idea was to get fit during the provincial matches and then the tests, be fit for the tests at the end of it. So I was carrying a bit of timber. Uh, as you would understand, Joe. And um, 
when I pulled on my my red jersey, I made it look skin tight, like the shirts today. Uh, <laughs> and this was a big, baggy old cotton jersey. And Martin Bayfield, obviously with the accent and my accent, and Martin Bayfield just said, "God, you look like a a big red London bus." Um, everyone knows I, I love going out having a a good time. So he just said, "Fun bus," and then it stuck. Well, there we go, Joe. Did you never know? I never knew the story. I just assumed it was because. Jason was fun, like you did, and that he's the size of a... Yeah, I didn't know there was an actual legit story behind it, and (laughs) um, without wanting to shoot down my childhood hero, uh, it was a pretty shit story. So, like, that's not, like, great from Bafes, is it? I think we should... I think you should... Over the years, you should have made up a better story than that, because you're the king (laughs) of stories. Surely we could add some more spice to that, like... You I've nicked got, a lot other, of the bus, and I've got other nicknames. I've nicked a, I've nicked a bus before. I've, I've, what? I've, I've jumped. Well, I, I've hijacked a bus before. I was stuck once in uh, in Ireland a couple of years back, and I saw the England bus, the current England bus, because you have two of them, don't you? Just to make sure if uh, if one breaks down, and then you've got the other one that can be management or whatever it would be. And I was stuck for a lift, so I flagged down the bus driver of the England bus, the second bus that didn't have the players on there. And I managed to convince him to take me back to the hotel because I couldn't find a taxi for, for love nor money. It's a big taxi, isn't it, a coach? Plenty of room. <laughs> so, Joe, we're going to talk lines, aren't we? We're going to talk lines with Jason. Um, Jason, it feels slightly like your poacher turned gamekeeper at the moment, being chairman of the Lions, but we'll get into that later. The first thing I wanted to know, how did you find out back in 93? We're, we're pre-Sky Sports News then. We're, we're, we're pre-special programmes where the chairman has to try and read out all the names without fluffing any of them, which I imagine was excruciating. So how did you find out? And also, who did you tell first? Well, officially, I found out by teletext. Um, and I, I did laugh. That I reckon some of the players selected on this tour would be going, what, what the bloody hell was teletext? In, in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. So someone someone told me, that was officially, but unofficially, we'd just played our, our last game in, what was it, the Five Nations. We stopped off in southwest London for a, a couple of beers and I ended up do. with a great England player called Peter Winterbottom, who is one of the best open side flankers that, that England's ever had. And we're sitting in this bar and... We're sort of chatting away and talking about the line. So, uh, do you reckon you got a chance? Do you reckon I've got a chance? What do you reckon? And this and the other. And Peter went, uh, well, they're having a selection meeting today. So let's ring up the England coach, which was a guy called Dick Best at the time, and ask him how it's going. No. So because we've, we've got a couple of beers inside us, we're <laughs> a little bit braver. And uh, so we start pestering Dick Best. So we ring him up the first time and he just puts the phone down on us. We ring him up the second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. By the end of it, he's absolutely fuming. And he's, he basically said down the phone, and there's me and Peter Winterbottom in this this sort of bar restaurant, sort of crammed together in a, a sort of phone cubicle, listening to the phone. And Dick Best basically said, he said, right, I've had enough of you two. Uh, you're both selected to go and talk to New Zealand. <laughs> And he said, like, there's, a, there's only one person from the England pack of that year that's not going. And he basically told us where to go in that aspect, put the phone down on us again. So we're sitting there quite smug, having a couple more beers. That's brilliant. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and after a few more beers, and it's like, so who do you think was the one person out of the England pack that didn't make it? <laughs> so then we start ringing him up again every five minutes trying to find out who the person who wasn't selected, which was actually Jeff Probin, the tight head, that's all. And uh, and he kept on putting the phone down. He didn't answer the phone after that. He just kept on putting the phone down on us. Uh, <laughs> but that was how I I found out. It was uh, a boozy lunchtime session with Peter Winterbottom. <laughs> Brilliant. Joe, you must have found this as well. One of those beautiful things about the Lions when you look from the outside is the fact that you turn up on that first day at Lensbury, whichever hotel you're going to, and there's a lot of blokes who you've been trying to knock the shit out of year after year. And then suddenly you've got to become, if not mates, then you've got to become teammates with them. It was, for me, it was, um, it was probably one of the toughest things that I've done playing rugby was trying to, um, <laughs> how do I describe it? Trying to convince 
all these blokes that I've played against <laughs> from other other countries that I wasn't as big a knob as they all thought I was. Um, and it, fucking hell, it took some doing. Um, I, even still, I, mean, I, I think I failed quite a lot. Um, but I remember some of the biggest compliments at the end of the tour from uh, Best, Rory Best, one of them. He turned, hey, Joe. I, I've I've really enjoyed our time on this tour. Um and to be honest with you, you're not as much of a dickhead as I thought you were. So um <laughs> and I went brilliant, wonderful. I've tried convincing you lot that I'm actually half decent, um and that is the pinnacle of my career that I've managed to convince Rory Best OBE that I'm not as much of a dickhead as he thought I was. Um, but it it was hard. It was it was hard work when you first turn up and you panic. You're like, shit, I've been such a knob to... And vice versa, on the field, what happens on the field stays on the field. You know, you turn into a different animal as soon as you cross that whitewash. But you often don't spend, particularly in, in the professional era in this day and age, it was different in Jace's day where you, you used to have a beer with the opposition a lot more and you used to get to know each other a lot more off the field so you could get a little bit more about them but it's so professional you're in your ice baths you keep you keep separate if you want to swap jerseys you, you quickly nip in swap, and it's a bit like soulless like that so you don't really get to know each other that well until you meet up for the first day and then you're like oh you're either sizing each other up in the same position like how am I going to get one over you or you're like hello mate you know keep keep your friends close but your enemies closer that sort of thing so what makes a good tourist then? Because like, on an ordinary rugby tour, the definition of a good tourist is the bloke who gets naked most often and he's happy to drink pints of things that aren't necessarily beer. But it's got to be different on a Lions tour. So how do you define? Because some players, it just works, doesn't it? You can see some players relish being a Lion and grow into it and you can see how they pull other people with them. Uh, first of all, I think I've got to ask, what sort of tours have you been on, Tom? It's <laughs> that, a different pod, that one, Jason. <laughs> Um, it's, I suppose to a certain degree, you just, you just want good people. You want good, good guys in that aspect. You, and, and actually looking at this squad, I think that's a little bit what Gats has done. He's, he's picked good players, but he's also picked good people. People that, Joe, backed me up on, on a Lions tour. You, you, you can't be precious. You've got to roll your sleeves up and, and get stuck in. Really. You can't, you can't be a prima donna. You can't opt out everybody's everybody's got to do their shift everybody's got to play their games you can't sort of go oh yeah I, I don't want to play that much rugby but I want to be around for selection for the test it's like sorry it doesn't work like that so you've you've just got to to be a good teammate in that aspect because people that's what it's, it's tough to try and as, as Joe says you've got to break down the barriers of every once every four years you're kicking lumps out of each other for four years and then come together as a team. So you've got to get over that barrier. Then you've got short preparation time. Then you've got travel. Then the, the country that you go to, they, they move you around the country. So every three days you've got a game and well, you're always traveling. So that when you've got a travel day, that takes another day out of your diary that you can't be training or you've got a quick training session then you get traveling and stuff like that. So you, you need to have good people, good people on that tour. I think the important thing is that you get players not only that are the best that can contribute on the field, but their attitude is that it's team first. You want to be part of a successful tour, don't you? Whether whether that's Rala the kit man or it's Owen Farrell the starting twelve. You wanna be part of you wanna be part of that group that goes down in history having made it and you wanna contribute however you can what what makes the boat go faster i mean i fuck knows what why i've brought a boat into it um and that is a really bad analogy but um i think my learning from the 2017 tour was that we were a really tight-knit group of players even the midweek and the test starters there's obviously always going to be a bit of division from the fact that we're playing on different days but the camaraderie and the tightness of the group and the strength of the group comes from the midweekers or the veg or the or the shags 
actually not going off tour early doors, staying in training, helping the test team to succeed, to prepare well for, for the Saturday. And one of the big drivers for us was that we wanted them to do as best they could. We wanted them to win and succeed so that we could then drink loads of piss on the back of them winning and <laughs> succeeding in a test match and celebrating with them. So just on that, so then does the does getting picked for the Lions, is it is it the best of the best? Or because selection subjective and to that one head coach, you know, I know you get a couple of coaches chipping in that lot. If you're then picking guys that actually are good for the group or good jail players as they describe them that bring the group is it is it actually the best of the best yeah i think i think it still is um i think from selection point of view you you'd you'd know this as well that if you think too much about selection you become a basket case it's you can only do your best you can only go out and every single time someone will say oh yeah but what about if you don't get selected it's like don't I don't I do I do it's I'll give it a hundred percent and if I if it's not good enough then it's it's not good enough in that aspect but I think from the the Lions point of view you you want good people there but they're already good players anyway because to, to even being considered in that group they're, they're they're up there with the best in the northern hemisphere in that aspect but you do want people that are going to go that extra half a yard that's going to put in a bit more of a shift, that's never going to complain about, oh, training session's going on a little tiny bit. Yeah, but we need to get this done. Yeah, you're right. It's, as you said, you've all got to buy into it. And if you have one or two people that are a little bit precious, they ain't really going to fit in in that aspect, especially on the Lions tour. Because as you said, it's, it's everything about the the squad. It's everything about the group. It's, it's more than just you as an individual. It's the Lions. It's the British and Irish Lions. You can see some players grow, it seems. like I'm, The example I'm thinking of is, is John Bentley back in 97. So, so Bentos is a, a force of nature, it's probably fair to say, even today. Uh, and everything that happened on that tour, he seemed to be someone who relished the opportunity to go in the first place and then was determined to have a good time, but also determined to make a massive impact on the pitch. And almost everyone, I don't know your memories of him, Jason, but most of the other tourists on that on that tour of 97 that I've spoken to, they just, you say Ben Soss's name and they smile. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling. smiling. I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment he turns around and goes, <laughs> that's a complete uh, fucking myth. He was a complete helmet. Yeah, he's a uh, no, I mean, false of nature most probably is, is the right word to describe Ben Soss in that aspect. That, um, but again, because he's, he, he, I mean, because Bentos, uh, he got capped in Australia, I think, in 88. He had a great rugby league career and then he came back to obviously rugby union. So, but, but what he brought with him as well, because he's a character, he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a great guy to be around. He's got a lot of energy about him. He's always looking, not, not for trouble. He's, he's mischievous in that aspect. He's looking to wind someone up, a, a joke or whatever it would be. But then he also brought with him, because it's very early days of professional rugby for us, he brought with him that professional attitude of, right, we train. And when, when you walk onto the training pitch, it, we work. We don't go on there for a chat. We're not mucking around here. That We're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. And I think all the, the league boys of 97 were all a little bit like that. There was all, it was, it was eye-opening for us that we're, playing around at being a professional really so I'm still mucking around and this and the other and these guys not not at all like Alan Bateman was a fantastic example on and off the pitch but how he helped all the other players like young Will Greenwood and, and stuff like that I mean I think Will sort of said a couple of times that he learned more off of Alan Bateman on on that one tour than any other player or coach or anything like that so it, that they, they all had a significant role on, on what 1997 ended up being did at any point when they were starting to bring in this sort of professional attitude that because rugby league went professional earlier didn't it and they were bringing on these suggestions at any point the old school lot like yourself turn around and go oh, fuck off would you 
we're going for another <laughs> pint. Piss off. Go do your ice bath on your own, mate. <laughs> no, I d- <laughs> not not really. Because just under your used breath. To be- oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Ice bath, but- <laughs> they they were because they're they're ex union players anyway. They've gone to league. They they knew what the mentality was. So go for a couple of beers, but but it was even more so. It was like okay, we have a couple of beers, but then that means we work extra hard the next day. It's one of those where I think in rugby union at that moment in time, because it was still very early in terms of professionalism, we were a bit more relaxed. Where they was no guys, we're here for a purpose. We're here to do something, you know? or, or do extras. I mean, in those days, you sort of get the the head coach will blow his whistle. Right, that's it, all done, and everyone's going great, lovely. Off we go. But they began right. Actually, I just want to practice this. I just want to concentrate on a couple of tackles. My, my passing off my left hand has been a bit wobbly, so I just want to do a bit bit of practice there, a bit of work on that. That's the sort of little and often things that they made a big difference in, where people were going, yeah, you're right, actually, I could do I could do with a bit more extra practice tackling, or I could do a bit of this. And and it just it, it sort of grew and grew and grew as a, a group. So their their sort of uh, influence was, was was a big thing, really, on that tour. What about um, what about roommates, Jace? Who was who was your best roommate that you go? I absolutely loved my time with him. Uh, in a in a funny way, I uh, on my first tour in nineteen ninety three, the player who was in charge of the rooms was uh, was an English guy, Rory Underwood. And uh, anybody who knows Rory Underwood, he's he's completely teetotal. He's a lovely bloke. I mean. He'll, he'll be in bed, wrapped up in bed by 10 o'clock every night. And you wake up in the morning, he'll make a cup of tea. And if you've had a couple of drinks and you're sleeping in, he'll, he'll wake you up. Come on, we've got to go down to training and stuff like that. So um, I think in 93, I was coming in, you'd have a few drinks and a bit boisterous and turn on all the lights, wake him up, crash out, go to sleep and stuff like that. And he'd, he'd get up, turn all the lights off, wake me up in the morning, there'd be a cup of tea waiting for me and all this. And so I said to Rory, I said, I, I quite like this, Rory. I think I think we work quite well together like this. The yin and the yang. Yeah, he said, really? He said, don't really expect that, like a winger and a prop. But I said, no, but I think we do. I think we do. So I managed to persuade him. I think each time, as Joe knows, you, you normally swap every single travel day for a match you'd swap with someone else normally and I think I managed to stay with Rory for about three weeks until he obviously sussed that <laughs> all I was abusing his hospitality regarding coming in late at night a little bit worse for wear and uh, and then obviously him waking me up in the morning getting me to the training sessions um, but I lasted I got, I got about three weeks and it was it was perfect it was absolutely perfect so he would be my best roommate of all time that sounds like the sort of relationship that you want to foster and turn into a long-term deal. Like when you get home, say, Rory, look, you know, I know you're other end of the country, but can't we find a halfway house somewhere? Well, he he, he was always invited out. So we'd, we'd go out and uh, you've got the you've got the trucks and stuff like that. So, okay, like, where are we going? Oh, we, we've, we've, we've heard there's a great bar somewhere or a great pub down the road. Great, lovely. And you'd be like, Rory, come on, we're going down a pub. And he's like, oh, thanks for inviting me. And you're like, you're just tossing him the keys again. You're designated designated driver. What are you talking about? Why wouldn't we invite you? Yeah, so we're making out we've invited you for your chat, but just fucking drive, would you? (laughs) How about you, Joe? Who've been your favourite roommates? Um, (laughs) In fact, it's not my favourite, but (laughs) this is bad. This is really bad. One of my, uh, in fact, he was my first roommate before the whole squad met up. So what they're doing now in Jersey, so all the guys that have finished their seasons that aren't in semi-finals or finals, we met up down at the Vale. So there's about twenty-five of us, and believe it or not, I wasn't a huge uh, rugby nose, as big a rugby nose as I am now, but especially when it came to backs that played for other countries. So I didn't really take much notice of backs that played, let alone, didn't play for that played for England, let alone another country. I was like, I don't really know. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? If, if there's no scrum, I'm not bothered. And uh, so I go to reception, pick up my key, um, and then walk down to 
to to my room and I put the key in and I didn't expect anyone to be in there yet because I got there quite early. Open the door, see some bags on the on the floor and uh there's a there's a bloke lying on the bed. <laughs> so bad. So, I, can't, I can't believe I said aloud. And I went he went, Oh, hey mate, how you doing? I was like, Hello mate, yep. Nice uh, nice to meet you. Uh oh, fucking hell Shook hands, went like that. I said, oh, shit, hang on. My, my missus is ringing. I've just got to go out. Go out the side for a quick set. So I went out and left immediately. And uh, got my phone up and Googled the squad <laughs> that had been picked. This is no fucking lie. I had to Google the squad that had picked. And I was like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> he's in Lions kit and I, he's definitely part of the team. And I don't know, I, I need to put a name to a face here. So I'm going down the team, I'm like, that's not him. No, no, that's not him. Who's that? No, no, that's not him. And then I was like, fuck, it is, yep, yeah, that's the one. It was, uh, it was, uh, I don't even know what position, I'm going to say centre, maybe fullback, uh, Jared Payne. So in, in fairness, he wasn't an out-and-out Irishman, so he was a converted Kiwi Irishman. So maybe that helps my case a little bit. Um, and he was a back that I didn't... But that, oh, so I Googled him. <laughs> right, Jared, Jared, J, JP. Went straight, so, and then a straight in a way, is it, Jared, how you doing, mate? It's been, you know, it's, how, how you getting on? And, you know, how, how do you feel about it? Oh, you got a family, you got kids, what's the crap? You know, as if we're best, really working hard to make best of that. That was my first time meeting a roommate. I thought, fucking hell, I really need to go through this squad now, you arrogant piece of shit. You're not going to do the English <laughs> stereotype of being an arrogant fuck any good if this is the way we're going to go forward. Um, Tiprick for me, Justin Tiprick was an unbelievable bloke, unbelievable character. One of the best, not only one of the best players that I think I've played with in terms of skill, ability, you know, but just a down-to-earth, hard-working bloke that just just gets on with it and just a really nice guy to go out with. Um, enjoyed a couple of beers, but nothing too mental. So he was a good one. Um but similar to to Jace, I ended up rooming with Coley for the majority of it, and he'll tell people that he was looking after me, and I'll tell people that I was looking after him, and I will tell people that still that I was looking after him. You know, he's quite socially awkward, um, doesn't like big groups, um, and you know, I used to support him quite a lot with that, but. Uh, we had an understanding, you know. We we he he knew that I could get up at five o'clock in the morning and partake in uh, said bathroom activities, and he just knew my he knew he knew me like clockwork. It just worked. There was no you know blushing or anything like that, and we it just worked <laughs> for us. So um, yeah, C- Coley was probably my go to go to roomie for that one. Right, I need to wet my whistle, and I need. A little break, so we're going to put some ads on whilst I go and pour myself an alcoholic beverage. It feels like I'm on tour, so that's why I need to do it. I know it's 11am, but it's 1pm somewhere in the world. So here's the ads. Hello, I'm Garrett Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And this is your official invite to come and join our brand new cycling club. Now, good news, it's a podcast too. So you can come and listen to us, try and build this club from scratch. And we'll have a few familiar faces joining us for the ride too. Right, G, time to tell everyone what we've called this club. Well, we thought long and hard about this. So we come up with a strong original name that really stands out. The Garen Thomas Cycling Club. Yeah, I suppose it's easy to remember at least, isn't it? We will have new episodes for you every single Tuesday. Come and join us. Before we go any further, we should thank our Patreons. These are our official sponsors, the very best of them. Although it pains me to say hello, it's our podcast friends, the Scrummed Up Pod. Morgan a feeling, it's Lewis Morgan. Where there's a will, there's a way. Sam Williams. The man who was born for the big screen. It's James Dean. The wily old fox, Dave Wiley. 
To be more like George, Dave, James, Sam, Lewis and the Scrum Dark Pod, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. I'm Ellis James. And I'm Colin Murray. And in our podcast, Everything to Play For, we take a proper look at the greatest sports stories of all time. We're talking the juiciest rivalries, the bravest underdogs, the biggest comebacks. We are chucking a bit of context into the mix. Yeah, real deep dives like bottom of the ocean. Oh, yes. Do you want to do a PhD in Wayne Rooney? Then listen to this <laughs> podcast. We are taking those big stories of the names that you know, like Andy Murray and Wayne Rooney and Mo Farah and Arsene Wenger and Alex Ferguson. But Hopefully, even if you think you know the stories, everything to play for will tell you stuff that you didn't know. Yes. And you can follow everything to play for on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen everywhere from June the 10th and binge seasons early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Those were the ads, which obviously you know because you're not an idiot who's never heard an advert before but anyway um back to the lines um back in 2017 we gats as part of the start of the bonding to try and break down some barriers that didn't involve alcohol um was like look we've all got to do some choir practice and the faces around the group were like what the fuck did he just say did he just say choir you're looking around, and I, I turned to my left, and Coley stood there, arms folded, like face like misery. Here's choir practice, and he's like, he's fucking joking if he thinks I'm going to practice singing. I'm like, mate, this is going to be wonderful. It'll be a really good chance to let loose and, uh, you know, open up our lungs here. Um, and we did the four songs, and one of which was Fields of Afram Rye for the Irish boys. And that song. I got back from that tour and Maggie, my middle girl, she'd always be like, oh, can you sing me a song before bed, Daddy? Oh, and I was like, yeah, I don't really know many, uh, but that was all there. And she now knows Fields of Afram Rye off by art. She hates rugby. <laughs> she's very, very English. And she's always singing, by a lonely place on and I haven't stopped singing. That's four years since, and she still insists that when she can't get to sleep, that I sing her that song to bed. And every time I sing it, it brings back unbelievable memories. And I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, what about, because 97, for you, Jace, there was that, um, on Living With The Lions, there was that famous clip of you all singing, was it uh, Wonderwall? Was it Wonderwall? Yeah, I'm sure it's, you're all on yeah, the it piss. Was. Yeah, I think we had top barriers. Two. Yeah, we adopted that song. Is that the song that, um, you know, brings back the most memories or were there any other songs? I know it's a bit random, but any other songs on any other tours that you go, oh, brilliant, love that? No, I, th I think in 97 it was definitely definitely that song just because it was, it, was, it was part of the time. It was part of that, that, that world and that moment in time. But um, the tour before that, 93, we did a little bit the same. You got given a... A songbook. And I don't know who I was rooming with at the time. <laughs> it's like you're going through, like as you said, you have got your bag of stash and all this. It's great, lovely, and all this. And then at the top of it, there's a a, a book, and it's been carefully prepared. And you're looking through it, and you're just going flick, flick, flick. And whoever I was rooming with at the time just sort of went, N never in a million years, just threw it, threw it away, straight away, like that. <laughs> just not even going to go. Not even going to bother with that. 
Um, but it was, it was good fun because you have a look at the tours. I mean, decades before that, that's, you'd, you'd get a traditional welcome. And I suppose in, in 2017 for you, Joe, is, it's New Zealand. So it'd be the, the, the haka or the, the version of the haka in whatever part of New Zealand you would be. It would be a traditional welcome. And then they'd, they'd expect a response from the Lions. And as you said, we, there's not really much we've, we've got in the locker in that aspect. So I suppose to a certain degree, I think back in, back in the day, in the fifties, sixties, and, and the seventies, the response was, well, okay, well, let's, let's at least, we'll sing a song. We'll sing a song. And I suppose you've, you've got a lot of the guys, a lot of the Welsh guys are more comfortable singing with sort of like, uh, being in choirs or whatever it would be when they're kids and stuff like that. So you'd have them at the forefront and then you'd most probably have all us lot behind sort of just mumbling, mumbling away. So sort of, just we keeping it in tune. We could not get Ken Owens to shut up. He was that, that's what I mean. front and centre of everything. Like, Carl on land. We're like, no, we're not doing Carl on land, Ken. Right? <laughs> we're doing high cathedral. You know, girl on land. No, stop. Give it a rest. And but there were early tours. <laughs> like you said, we're met with a hacker, which is a war dance. You know, we've got all these cra- even the women that were there, they were like slitting their like doing their slit in the throat actions and like we're like, fucking hell, who's gonna, who's attacking who? What's going on here? And like you said, you're expected to respond. <laughs> so they've performed this war dance to us, and then we turn around and then we go. All right, lads, are we ready? And a one, two, three, uh, Scotland, my country and my land of birth, highlands, islands, and oh, and we're like, oh fuck, we're re- like, we're really not doing ourselves any favours here. <laughs> they they've intimidated the fuck out of us with these war dances, and we've responded <laughs> in the highest pitched voices of, "Hello, guys!" Uh, it was good fun, though. <laughs> it was really, really good fun. What about players from, from other nations that you've kept in contact with after a Lions talk? Because we're familiar with Ian McGeekin's famous line about, you know, you'll pass a fellow Lion in the street in 20 years' time and there'll just be a look. Are there players that either of you have, have kept in contact with, you swap numbers afterwards that you've seen socially? For me, yeah, quite a few. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a hard one sociably in that aspect. You, you tend to catch up more at uh, events, functions and, and the like. Um, but if you know if someone is going to be there, you you do you make that effort because a, a little bit like what Geech says. I mean, and if you cut Ian McGeekin in half, he, he literally would bleed the, the lines in that aspect. And you do create those 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 bonds because you've been through so much. I mean, everything. It's hard to explain. Everything about a lion's tour is um, is a challenge, like getting four teams together to play as one. Then, as I said, your travel, get, getting over to these places is not, it's, it's, it's easier now. But think about it back in the day. I mean, they used to get boats everywhere. So they, it would take them three weeks getting there in that aspect. Then once you're there, you've got the challenge of, of being in that country. You're, you're not familiar with it. You've, you're being shipped around the country in that aspect, going from one match to another every three days. Take South Africa as an example. You're going from sea level to altitude, altitude back down to sea level, getting carted around like that. Uh, and, and genuinely, every single game, people want to knock lumps at you. And in, in some aspects, a couple of the sides took took it upon themselves to actually try and take out as many sort of frontline players as possible so they wouldn't be available for the first test. So you've got all... It's, it's challenge after challenge after challenge. So... So I think when Geech is saying in his speech that like, you've just got that look, you know, you know what you've been through, and you've been through that with that player, and he knows what you've put in. As we said about putting a a shift in, putting the hard work in, you know he's done the same. You don't need to say anything. You, there's a look there, but you know, and and I think that is quite true. But I would, I would say if I saw something that I've not seen for twenty years, and, I, and it's just look, I, I would rather hope I'd. I'd 
I'd be able to walk across the other side of the road and actually shake his hand. I've got to say that now. But... A bit weird otherwise, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. You'd just put like, a thumbs up. Like, you'd be like, yeah, yeah you're right, David. Great to see, again, great to see just, you, yeah. I'm just looking. Yeah. But, just um... the look. Yeah, Geech just said look. <laughs> That's all we agreed. See you, mate. All the best. But I wonder how your family are. Yeah. Oh, it's the look. But it's, it's I, I, that's, that, that for me is it, it is valid because you do forge friendships in that aspect and 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 in adversity you, you've got so you've got to cover someone's back yeah you, you know, I'll look after you you're looking after me something like that and and I think rugby's such a, a a great sport that 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 does carry on in that aspect and as I said the lines the lines everything about the lines is unique in that aspect so. You, you do know that all the hard work and the effort you've put in, you, you, your teammates, and that's most probably your mates, genuine mates for life. I think Geech is bang on there that what what you go through um, with with strangers at the start, you know, you're essentially strangers coming together um, for one cause, and you're part of a group that, well, it's less than what nine have they gone over 900 people that have represented the lines yet i don't, I don't think they, they might be near there it's less than it's a constant. thousand people that have re- represented that badge over hundreds of years and you're like that's a pretty cool club to be part of and you have that sort of acknowledgement and even the, the guys that you get really close to on the tour you you tend to keep in touch with a little bit more. You drop a message, see how they're getting on and, and stuff from other countries and things, which is great. But even the guys that you didn't get quite as close to, you'll see a year or two down the line or hopefully in five or ten years' time, it, it, it still happens. But I remember seeing Johnny Sexton two years after the tour at a random... In fact, it wasn't random. It was a sh- shitty writer's dinner. You know, they have the, the the awards or whatever they do at the thing, and I was invited to one of them. I, God knows why I said yes to it. it. Why would you turn up, go to a room of people that have slagged you off the last 10 years of your career just to enjoy some piss? But, yeah, I did. And uh, Johnny Sexton was there to pick up the award, and the first thing he said, <laughs> Harry, you fucking shit cunt. And I went, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> because that is what I always called him on the tour, and that's what he. And it was immediate like that. We hadn't spoken in two years, and you, you you're in the room, and you're like, "How are you doing, mate? How's things?" And um, you'll always have that bond. Um, and I guess the more time I've had away from it, the more time you spend away from that experience, the more you actually look back on it and go, "Amazing!" Like for these guys, I know it's going to be tough for this tour. Without the fans, without all the ability to go out as much, but they'll still be making memories. There'll be different memories, but they'll still be they'll still be bonding. They'll still have that that one cause to go out there and, and win a tour. Um, and I look at it quite enviously, not jealously, enviously of like you guys are so lucky. Don't don't waste it. Don't don't look back in six months' time going. Oh, I wish I'd have made more effort getting to know Ali Price or Xander Fagerson. Do you know what I mean? Because you won't get it again. You'll be an old codger like me and an even older codger like Jace who's still clinging on by somehow managing to become the chairman of the fucking thing (laughs) in a position of authority and seriousness. He's managed to blag his way to the top. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I look at it very enviously and, and hopefully they'll have such an amazing time still. But I want to ask you both about the court sessions, right? The court sessions always look very dangerous, but a lot of fun. Is that a fair summary for men who've been through them? It it depends what you're up in court for, (laughs) to to be quite honest. What were the charges laid against you, Jason, on your various tours? surely surely you had some sort of agreement going on with keith wood that you were like look mate whatever you've got tell me what you've got on me secretly behind the scenes and then we'll negotiate whether i agree with you or not i think i'll be lucky i've got i've most probably got as much dirt on most of them than what they've got on me in their aspect yeah so (laughs) i I felt pretty confident he's got files and files of everyone in preparation for if you come at me for having the wrong fucking kit on or being half hour late i'm going to show everyone this photo of you with 
a pig. Don't you know? Don't get any ideas. <laughs> it's, it's it's just a, it's another way of of bonding, as 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 we said before, because you've got such a short preparation time. It's just it's another good way of just getting a group of guys. It could be silly stuff in that aspect, as as Joe said, wearing the wrong colour shirt or shorts or whatever it would be or someone forgetting their boots or their gum shield there's, there's loads of little tiny things you can do and and some of the others again in those days in 97 you're just you're trying to keep away from the troublemakers because you know you're going to get in into as much trouble as them in that aspect for us the 2017 court session we were me bestie was um tasked with being the judge and uh me, Coley, who else was there? T- uh, tips um, were tasked with going and getting all the props and getting everything ready and prepared for the final day. So the test team could, you know, they had quite a big game to get ready for. So that, you know, we can't be turning around to Macca and being like, mate, do you mind uh, popping down to the adult entertainment store and picking up a couple of uh, <laughs> items there just before. Yeah, yeah, sure, mate. You know, I'm only prepping to go against Owen Frank. So we did that. <laughs> I remember taking Coley. I said, Coley, we got to nip into um, City Centre to get a couple of props for it. He was like, cool, cool. Where are we going to go? I was like, yeah, oh, just follow me. I've Googled it. It's fine. <laughs> so we're walking around for a bit because he said oh should we get a taxi I said no we'll walk you know we could do with the exercise sweat out some of the piss let's go and so we're walking around um, Auckland and uh, I'm taking down these back streets he's like where are we going I said don't worry about it just come with me alright we'll go we'll go find what we need he said fine and then um, we get into the bit of a back alley and he's like fucking hell mate what, what, what sort of establishment is this said no no it's not one of those establishments do not worry it's a adult entertainment store as i as i described we were tasked with getting a couple of um items blow up items um flesh like items um different items that i won't go into too much detail about but they were definitely um xxx anyway so coley's bright red walking around all this shop doesn't know where to look he doesn't know it. his eyes. Oh God! What am I looking at there? What am I looking at? There? We're buying all things. I said, yeah, but got this big box full. And I said, oh, can, do you mind bagging it up uh, um, to the assistant that was there? She was like, yeah, no problem. Uh, so I paid it all. And I said, right, get out there. He's like, what the fuck did you take me there for? I said, well, Bessie's told us that we need to get all this gear. So fine, right. Well, we're we're, we're 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 getting a taxi back then. I said, no. No, we'll just nip round the court. It was it was like a ten minute walk, mate. Come on, we'll be fine. I said no, we're getting a taxi. He said no, I haven't got I haven't got Uber on my phone. It's not working. Don't worry about it, mate. We'll walk. He said, all right, we'll walk. And Jace, you know what it's like when, especially in New Zealand, rugby is everything. So when a Lions tour comes around, there's Lions fans everywhere, and there's Kiwi fans everywhere. So it is rammed. Anyway, so we're walking as fast as we can. He's like. Cole's got a shuffle on, like, oh my God, oh my God. And then we have to stop at the crossroads and we have to stop at these traffic lights. So we stood there waiting. We've got both got bags full of um, said adult items. Um, and some Lions fans come up and I see him start panicking. He's like, mate, there's some, there's some fans. We've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to go. I said, we're fine, we're fine, we're absolutely fine. Um, and one came over with a couple of kids, about eight or nine year olds. These come over, so they're at that that height of where the bags are. Um, and unfortunately for Dan, <laughs> unfortunately for Dan, the assistant hadn't double bagged his bags, but had double bagged <laughs> my bags. <laughs> so uh, the 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 parent of the the kids are like, "Oh, do you mind if we have a quick photo?" Bro? And Dan's looking at the countdown of the of the red light, like, "Please, fucking, please, just go, so we can go, please, please, five three and i'm like yeah yeah no i sure and i'm about to stop to pose for this photo and, and dan has legged it across the road because this kid has clocked it. daddy what's that in the back he's clocked it and just legged it back over there um and that was that was definitely one of my favorite moments to then go up and he said why the fuck did you do that i said well bestie's the judge he's in charge we've got to get everything set up in the room for the court session and and that's it it's definitely one of the um loosest happenings that tends to happen on a rugby tour 
What would you two tell a stranger about the Lions? Someone who hasn't been there, hasn't experienced what you two have experienced. How would you try and sum it up for someone? I think it's a tough one. Uh, it's Because it's so unique, it's, it's very hard to try and simplify it in that aspect. I mean, just the pure fact of getting four teams to come together as one is just, that normally blows people's minds straight away. It just, sorry, how can you do that? As, as Joe said, you, know, you spend four years kicking lumps out of each other and then you've got to somehow put those grievances to one side and then come together as a team. And then someone will always say, well, oh, but afterwards you were mates and... So the following year after a Lions tour, you're obviously, you're not smashing into each other no more because you're mates. And you're like, no, that's more reason why to smash into something. Yeah, you go even harder. <laughs> yeah, because you are mates. Just to let him know that that, that, that was me and, and let him know that sort of thing like that. So it's it's a tough one to say to a stranger who doesn't really know what the Lions is and and what it means to so many people around the world. For me, I describe it as a friend that I've got. I do have friends, Tom. Don't look at me with those eyes. I do have friends. A a non-rugby friend who, you know, I went to school with and I, I cannot, I don't see him six, eight, nine, sometimes a year at a time. I don't see him. But every time I do, it's like we've not been separated. It just goes straight back to how we were when we were younger and the chat flows, just mates again. That's, that's And it's just, you're enjoying each other's company. And for me, that's the feeling that I get every... Who the fuck is turning up in a... Gra- it's a gravel driveway. It's going to make noise. Fucking hell. I'm sick of this van. I'm trying to be really um, sentimental and poignant. Is that no? That's not it. profound. Profound. No, I can't do profound. It's. I look back at it now as going through. You know, adversity. It wasn't like adversity how we describe it, but as like a normal person would describe it. But the fact of trying to bond with strangers four teams coming together and coming as one to try and defeat the best in the world and all the hurdles that you have to go over through it um the ups and the downs the nights out the nights in the training sessions all that lot that you go through and the period away from your family as well that that brings you closer together for boys that have got families and things because you're all going through it together and and the closeness that you have that for me they're not your best friends for life, but you've got a bond for life with a group of blokes that, that, like we've spoken about, that you can look at and cross the road and go, eh, fancy a pint or a lemonade, actually, if it's Rory Underwood. Um, <laughs> just have a catch up and that you'll be there, you know. Uh, it is a very unique thing to do and it is hard to describe to a stranger and hard to describe to someone that that hasn't sort of been through it, but I th- it's just a wonderful thing. I've, I talk about it with such fondness now. My heart actually feels with like, oh, that's it's such, so much fun, honestly. I mean, I, I would say this, I will finish it on this, that I don't think I actually became a, a much better rugby player. It was good to see other world-class players that what they did to try and be like, oh, okay, he does that a little bit. Oh, he, t- he talks about his binds like that, or that's how they train. Like Jace has spoken about the rugby league guys that went left union, went to league and came back a little bit more professional. So you add a little bit more to your game, don't you? You add that sort of stuff. But I will say this, I did learn to fucking drink. That was, <laughs> that was when I got my big boy pants. That was when I got my big boy pants. I was just pretending before then. But as Daisy... To turn around to me, she's, and after it, she's Jesus Christ, you stink. I said, What do you mean? I've had, I, I had this smell of booze on me for the next like two weeks post that tour, and I did very much learn to drink on that, tour, on that tour. So, oh, um, Jace, the fun bus, the chairman, 
Um, thanks so much <laughs> for for giving up your time and and chatting shop with a couple of helmets like me and Tom. We've I've really really enjoyed it. What about you, Tom? I have enjoyed. It. Do you know what? I want the tour to start now. I'd basically want to launch it to watching it straight away. That's what this chat has done to me. Yeah, it's brilliant. Chase, thanks a lot, mate. Absolute pleasure. Love to catch it up. Joe, that's put me in a massively Lions mood. Um, I'm thinking about just, you know, like Rip Van Winkle. I might, I don't want to do the 400 years of Rip Van Winkle waking up 100 years later. But if there was some way that I could hibernate until the start of the Lions tour, I would take that option right now. Who the fuck is Rick Van Winkle? No, Rip Van Winkle, not Rick Van Winkle. Who's Rip Van Winkle? He fell asleep and he woke up 100 years later. Not, he's not a, true... a real life character. Oh, I was <laughs> going to say, if, if that was a true story, we need to get the Van Winkles on on the pod and the relations to, to that. Anyway, um, you're right. I now want to go on the Lions tour. Mm. I want to call Warren Gatland up now and say, <laughs> look, Gats, I know we don't, you know, we haven't really seen eye to eye in the past. I want you to see through that. I want you to know that I am a changed man. I want you to just let me come on the tour and be Rala. He's the kit logistics operator. Let me be Rala's helper. Whatever oh, so role you've got. What? You're like a vibes controller. You're not playing. You're just a vibes controller. Yeah. I just, I just want to be there. I want to be there. It, and I don't know how... I mean, I don't think it would go down well if I turn around to Daisy now. Um, look, love, I haven't got the call up, but I'm going to go anyway. And I won't ever see you again because I know that you'll leave me. But the, just being able to speak to him has got me so excited for it. Like you just mm. said, that you want the tour to start now. He's, he's, uh, he's definitely... Ian McGeekin described him as the best lion ever, didn't he? That's unbelievable compliment, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my goody aunts. And he very much lives up to to that reputation. He's an absolute legend. And I hope yeah. that I haven't come across too much of a fanboy on that episode. <sighs> well, all this, Joe, is magnificent news because, of course, you and I, the Joe Marler Show Lion Specials, are going to be going twice a week for the duration of the tour. Special guests that I have left you to sort out and looking at your face, and I'm guessing you haven't sorted out the special guests yet. Um, and <laughs> what do you take me for? Some sort of unprofessional professional? Um, but I'm just going to leave those with you because you know these people intimately. I don't. Um, you phoned one of them when we were having a chat the other day and there was an instinctive bond between you and Rory Best that I don't have. <laughs> hey, don't ruin the surprise. You can't. You've ruined it. Um, but you were witness. He did agree to it. And if he doesn't, then that's legally binding. We could definitely sue him. And I know that he's got loads of land. He's a big farmer. So we could get loads of money for all our Patreon subscribers. You know, we'll share it out. Like if I was to win the lottery, what about you, Tom? Like, Are you that committed to the pod that... If either of us, or is it either or either, either, either or either of us won the lottery, I would share my winnings with the Patreon subscribers that love our show. I would give what them. What percentage least, are you giving them? I'd give them at least ten pound each. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm I would throw a, I would throw a Patreon subscriber party, Joe, because of course we have oh. our committee meeting for our committee members and we're due one of those soon by the way but I would organise a massive knees up for our patron subscribers what look um, why do they call it a knees up let's go for a knees up when do you ever go out for a drink and then just do high knees at the bar <laughs> or if you're sat uh, you sat at the bar like with you, you have to grab your knees as high to your face as possible <laughs> what is that like you're doing a mushroom float in a swimming pool when you're seven <laughs> We need to work out why it's called a knees up. Um, answers to the usual places on social media. And, of course, as always, please help us. Um, I don't want to say grow the show. I'm going to cue you in to say grow the show, Joe. Uh, please help us. Grow the show. By spreading word of our Lions podcasts 
to your friends, to your family, to your colleagues, people you don't even know. Badger strangers in the street if they look like they like the lions and tell them about the Joe Marler Show lion specials coming their way. Please do that if you can. Um, remember, it's podcast specials that we're doing twice a week and we are going to have special guests. And because it's in South Africa, we may even get the man himself. Oh, it might be a surprise. Okay, so grow the show. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.